If you're looking for Pokemon style Etsy items, Pokemon Pop figures, and so much more, check out the PokeDepartmentStore.com. That's P-O-K-E-D-E-P-S-T-O-R-E.com for all your Pokemon needs. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What is up, everyone? It's me, the Pokemon Cave. Let's first jump into some EUIC action. Oh yeah. So one of the things that stood out in this competition so far is the different decks that are being used or how people are managing to use different decks and not necessarily work to the meta. For instance, the RCS Drilladon and Vulpix from Alex, uh, God, I don't know if I can pronounce his last name, Shemansky. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry if I definitely pronounce that incorrectly. But let's look into the Drilladon VMAX first. So the combination of Arceus and Drilladon is already well known, but it has so far stood out best when nobody has been thinking about it. The funny thing is, is that everyone knew that Lugia V-Star would lose easily to Drilladon VMAX, but most Lugia players, or Lugia players, sorry, simply chose not to do anything about it. This secured some good wins for... Alex here. Now, Alolan Vulpix V-Star. Basically, if Drilladon VMAX serves to beat Lugia V-Star, then Alolan, v- Alolan Vulpix V-Star serves to beat the Gardevoir EX and can help in several other matchups as well. There are a few Pokemon in the format that can handle the Alolan Vulpix V-Star, but it certainly didn't help that at uh, EUIC, most players weren't even expecting to have to deal with it in the first place. You see, all decks can knock out an Alolan Vulpix V-Star, at least somehow. The point is not to win an entire match with the Alolan Vulpix V-Star, but to actually annoy and cause problems for the opponent until you have enough of a setup to score your remaining prizes. Now, what about a 4 Professor's Research plus 3 Colsus Experiment? I saw no one talking about it, but this was one of the things in the list that most caught my attention. One of the complaints about RCS V-Star in this format is that it doesn't have the consistency it once did. Cards like Trek and Choose and Bibroll are the most popular solutions for this problem, but they eat up deck space and still don't really solve the problem completely. Much of the consistencies of RCS V-Star decks depends on RCS itself, and with each attack it lets you take 3 energy cards out of the deck and put them onto the field. 2 attacks mean 6 fewer cards in the deck, and so on and so forth. The deck's long-term consistency plan is built around this withdrawal. Basically, you only need one good draw supporter every turn, and the rest will work itself out over time. The idea, then, is to simply play more good draw supporters, even if you need to use a different supporter like Judge, Boss's Orders, or Charon's Care. You would be greatly relieved if you have a Colsus Experiment or a Professor's Research in your hand to go back to drawing cards the next turn. So if the tournament in Japan served as an inspiration, then by the point of EUIC, we have achieved a great reference for copying decks wholesale. 
The EUIC lists are close to perfection and have much less space for exploration and evolution. It is at this point that the format switches to another level. Because most lists used in major tournaments from now on will be comparable to the EUIC, uh, with only minor tweaks depending on the metagame. So, with that being said, what do you guys think? Like, are we are we going to be seeing these kinds of decks more often? Um, come more regionals like we have been uh, over the past little while, even at Worlds. I mean, we were bombarded by Lugia um, last year. So it'd be interesting to see if we're going to see just flat-out RCS drilled on, hell, maybe even a Vulpix. What do you think? Next up, we go back over to Japan, but for a slightly different reason. You see, there's a Japanese hobby shop that has banned adults from purchasing Pokemon trading cards after numerous sellouts left its target audience empty-handed. It's an extreme measure, a bit, you know, a warranted one, at least, as adults have been hoarding these cards and selling them online to make a quick buck. Heria 2, a hobby shop in Alkenbach, has decided to limit the purchase of trading cards to high schoolers and young adults. This is going to be a rule that the store takes seriously, as IDs must be shown before purchases of these collectibles can be made. Now, LiveDoor conducted an interview with the store, translated by Kotaru, where they asked why Pokemon training cards need age verification. The store manager explains that this is due to numerous sellouts from adults and wants to serve the core demographic, which is teens and kids. Well, good on you guys. Many shops exhaust their entire stock of Pokemon cards as soon as they go on sale, and people active late at night or early in the morning always seem to buy the cards. By allocating half of our stock for general customers, shops can continue to sell the cards to students and young children. Selling goods to children not only pleases them, but their parents as well. We feel this method of sales enables us to satisfy the greatest number of customers when the items are in such limited supply. While banning adults from buying these cards might sound extreme, this is far from the most controversial thing to be involved with the hobby. Fans will remember how numerous robberies took place that involved these pieces of cardboard getting stolen. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There was also an unfortunate incident where a transphobic judge wouldn't leave a team of competitors alone. Yeah, we talked about that, didn't we, guys? So, while it may seem that Japanese adults might have a harder time purchasing, purchasing sorry, these Pokemon cards, though we're sure there are other stores that will cater to them, it will be interesting to see if hobby shops from other countries follow suit. 
mostly in particular to North America, you know, Canada and US, maybe even Europe. Uh, now, in fact, mostly in the US, I, I don't remember seeing it too, too much up here in Canada, uh, but there was a time when cards were behind lock and key and you had to go up to the counter to ask for them and you only got like, say, one box or two boxes or, or whatever. So there was a time where it was limited, not necessarily to just strictly kids, but limited in general. Next up, do you remember the original Pokedex? You know, the one from Tiger and Hasbro? <laughs> well, you see, that almost didn't happen. Yeah, and it wasn't because of Tiger or Hasbro. It was because of freaking Nintendo. More specifically, Nintendo of Japan. Not even North America, really. So, the Nintendo life, they sat down with Chris Nicolella. He was the Tiger and Hasbro senior game producer from 97 to 2001. Now, he revealed the entire story behind the development cycle, explaining how Nintendo's Nintendo Japan headquarters wasn't a big fan of the U.S. toy company and made the entire process, quote-unquote, very difficult due to concerns about the device taking sales from the Game Boy release. So he goes on to say, The process was very difficult from several aspects. While we were awarded the Pokemon license, we didn't get much help at all from Nintendo of Japan. In fact, they didn't like us very much and didn't see our value in expanding the Pokemon brand into the toy market. They felt that our toy product line would take away from sales from the Game Boy game, which wasn't the case at all. The next problem I had was the lack of assets and licensing material they were willing to give us to study. Yeah, go figure, eh? We were strictly forbidden to have any type of graphic game function because of the Game Boy game. I wanted to at least have an image of each Pokemon just to give it some fun visuals as opposed to just a complete text-based toy. So I had my art team come up with two simple frame animations of each of the 151 Pokemon characters. When Nintendo of Japan saw the screen animations, they freaked out. And we said, and said, sorry, we couldn't do that and it was too close to the Game Boy game. We disagreed and said that the toy needed it. But Nintendo of Japan would not let us move forward. I was so frustrated. I didn't even want to work on it anymore. I wanted to get back to working on Star Wars toys. Finally, we had a big meeting. We had to again promise that there was not a game element in the Pokédex and the two frame animations of each Pokémon needed to be removed and a senior art manager from Japan would come and design the images for us. That's... Oh my god. What the heck, Pokémon? Or, well, at least Nintendo. Like, jeez. I mean... I get it. Yes, I, I, I get how they didn't want a toy company to quote-unquote screw up their their sales or their reputation. I get that, but holy crap, you guys were really rough on them back then. I mean, I'm thankful that the Game Boy, or sorry, the, the Pokedex did come out. Um, I still have, well, I have a Pokedex. Uh, it's not the original one from when I was a kid. I did have one when I was a kid. Um, and then apparently my parents threw it out. Back when I, I guess I did something really, really bad. And they threw out all of our toys actually as a kid. Um, I mean, now mind you, we were a little bit older. So should we really have been playing with toys at that point? Well, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Uh, 
But yeah, everything went in the garbage. Pokemon toys, Pokemon cards, everything. It sucks. And finally, us 90s kids, you know, early 90s, late 80s, when you see something from your age, you know, from back in, oh God, from back in our day, that makes me sound old. When you see something from the late 90s, early 90s, early 2000s, do you think of it as an antique? I I don't think so. I don't think of it as an antique. However, somehow, it turned out to be a freaking antique. A Pokemon card collector brought her full binder to a antiques roadshow TV show, which was worth about $10,000. Now, in recent years, Pokemon cards have dramatically increased in value, especially mid-condition rare copies. However, the improved worth has also led to a rise of theft across the globe. For example, one group of thieves stole over a million dollars in cards and collectibles back in March of 2023. While this Pokemon fan's collection didn't break six digits, the projected value surprised her. The estimate turned out to be much more than her $35 that her mother had paid for it. Holy crap! They paid $35 for that? Hell yeah, that's a good steal. So, the PBS show Antiques Roadshow posted a clip of the appraisal on their official YouTube channel. A guest on the series brought 150 cards in a binder, including base set cards and rare shadowless copies. The cards from the 1990s were in excellent condition, which skyrocketed their value. Uh, the auction or the um, antique roadshow person is quoted in saying, Conservatively at auction, we would say that your binder would be in the $5,000 to $10,000 range. Now, host Travis Landry suggested the owner sell the cards individually, like the Mewtwo and Charizard copies, to earn more money. Uh, he also then described the Pokemon market as volatile. <laughs> yeah, no shit, buddy. Uh, it is a market that blossomed through the pandemic, he revealed. I hate giving you the womp womp news on the backside. But your Charizard in this shape less than a year ago was easily five to eight grand. At the peak of the market in November of 2020 to March, April of 2021, we were seeing the card hit as high as 15 grand. Recently, Heritage Auctions sold a PSA 10 or sorry, a PSA graded trophy Pikachu for a whopping $300,000, which I did cover on the podcast. Now, PSA says that the Pokemon company printed less than 100 of these cards, guaranteeing their value. So, would you ever sell your prized Pokemon card collection? Apparently, they're venturesome enough to be uh, to appear on Antiques Roadshow. So, oh, well, maybe. I guess they're considered antiques now. Which, oh my God, could you imagine base set being considered antiques? <laughs> That's bad. And on that note, I say have a good day. And I will see you tonight for Pokey Cave After Dark, where we discuss controversial music videos. <laughs> I mean, what classifies as controversial? Well, you're going to have to find out tonight. Stay tuned, everyone. And I will see you again next week for a brand new episode of Pokey Man Cave. Take care. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.